It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's a hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. I love travel and exploration and spend my life seeking and creating new experiences for myself. In March of 2014, I packed up whatever I could fit in my VWCC and left Austin, Texas in my rearview mirror. Cannabis had been a consistent part of my adult life but I knew in my gut it was going to be a bigger part of my future. I was ready to find my way out west. Today's guest shares my sentiment and passion for pot. Brian Applegarth, co-founder of Emerald Country Tours, has designed authentic, immersive experiences showcasing the vibrant cannabis culture and history of Northern California. We enjoyed a casually baked wrap session on the wine and wheat country and the agritourism opportunities available to you. Take a listen. Check, check, check. Yep, you're good. Good morning, Brian. Thank you so much for joining me on a Saturday morning. Good morning. I I hope my coffee is suitable. Your coffee is delicious. Thanks for having me. And my cannabis, I hope it was suitable as well. The cannabis was very tasty. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're going to be here with me today because I am really interested in talking to people more about wine and weed tourism in California. Mm-hmm. And 
it has taken me a really long time to get my friends and family to come out and see me. And I'm like, I, apparently I'm doing it wrong. I need to get an expert <laughs> to like help me explain why this place is so fucking awesome. Right. So you're the expert. Okay. And so we are going to... Um, hopefully change some minds and get people to plan trips in 2018 to come out to Northern California and experience what is now the wine and weed country. Right, right. Northern California, there's a lot that it offers. So what what got you to jump into the space and, and when did you start Emerald Country Tours? Um, so let's see, I started, I moved back to California in, or I think around 2013 after living abroad for a while. Oh, why and, are you living abroad? I did that a little of that myself. Yeah, I was in, um, like, longer term, I was in, uh, like, Spain, um, Japan, and Italy were probably the, especially Japan and Italy. I was in Italy for about 16 months, where I was in Bologna in north Oh, cool. Italy. Yeah, I lived in Lake I don't know where that is. Southern tip of Lake Como. So it's, um, oh my God. you know, the town of Como. Yes. So the other leg over here is Lake wow. but it's a little less touristed, but it's similar positioning. Mm-hmm. And then Bellagio is right here. So I think I was, I visited some people in a little village over there in your neck. Are you talking about Cinque Terre? Well, I did do Cinque Terre, but I, um, I went, there was a musician friend of my sister's that her boyfriend lived over there. I'm, right. I'm going to look it up because I'm not going to bore people with all of this, Yeah. but we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Italy's always good to talk about. Yes. Um, so yeah, back to California. Yeah. So you got back here and. Yeah. So I got back here and I mean, I graduated high school in 98. So I mean, 90, 1996 passing at Prop 215. I don't even remember that. I was playing basketball and football and looking at college. Um, but when I came back in 2013, because um, I pretty much was away from NorCal right after high school onward, um, cannabis had come a long way. And the medical cannabis, I guess, economy, despite the government not coming in and regulating it, um, it's it really was, there was present, it was in the news. I could see clearly that it had come a long way since I was living in Northern California. I was frankly disenchanted with corporate world, working in a cubicle and that kind of lifestyle. And I was considering um, my skill set and what I know and traveling and tourism is that. I've been to 48 countries, I've lived abroad, um, read a lot of travel books. I think I see the world through a, through that kind of lens because of all my time I've spent in different cultures. It and I changes rec- you. It, and, yeah, it does. It really does. But I started identifying the culture in Northern California on the coast, specifically Mendocino and West Sonoma County. And a lot of just the relationship to nature, the pace of life. Um, this is a really long-winded answer for all these things that make our Northern California region what it is, is beautiful. And cannabis is part of that. It's not the only thing, but it's it's a very important um, recent history and really long history when you're comparing cannabis, you know, Right, recent innovation. as in it's now something that people can right. actually see in the light. Right, they can start getting information yeah. and getting informed. And that's the stage that we're at, is really educating people and empowering people with knowledge to make their own decisions. I think that's important. I don't think you... Uh, I think as as the information comes out, there's responsibility for people that are earlier in the space like us to be able to deliver information to empower the public to understand what this all is. Yeah. And one of the things that I believe helps people do that more is, you know, romance the product. <laughs> right. It's like, get here, see it with your, your own eyes. Don't just read about it in a magazine right. or hear, you know, what you hear on the podcast or the news or, you know, just 
come check it out for yourself and just right. see. Right. Absolutely. It kind of, it's funny what you're talking about makes me think back to that. Um, there's like a quote in that movie, Goodwill Hunting, where he says, you know, you could read about the Sistine Chapel, you could see pictures in a book, but until you're standing there taking in its immense power that of, of experiencing it in person, you don't truly understand kind of the, the sanctuary and the power of what it is. So I think it is important. I think the closer you can get to the source to really understand, the more informed you are. Well, and the other thing that's so beautiful about here is when you get into this space, mm-hmm. you you do feel that lower, slower, mm-hmm. calmer right. pace of life. Right. And it truly is the closest thing to Italy that I could find in the United States. Right. Right. I was surprised. So I moved back here and I knew it was going to be tough adjusting back to the States. It took me, it took me a couple of years, really. And then I moved back to California to be close to my family. I grew up in Northern California. So I was born in San Jose. I was raised outside SAC. I, you know, spent most of my life here. Uh, my parents both went to Berkeley and, and lived in People's Park in the 60s while they were going. Well, wow, they were going to UC Berkeley. So They're proper hippies. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're not, but, they're, but they get it. They had friends that were, and they're super cool. Anyways, um, so, uh, yeah. Where were we, what were we talking about? Sorry, I lost track we're on that one. We're talking about everything, but just why it's important for people to come and experience it. Like, you know, right. you, can't, you can't make a judgment on cannabis if you've never experienced it or... Right. And, and you doing it when, you know, you're 16 and 17 and now right. being 20 years ago, this is a whole new ballgame. So right. this is new cannabis. If you haven't experienced new cannabis, right. you can't judge it. Absolutely. And there's a lot to it. There's health and wellness, there's heritage, there's fun, there's adventure. It's it's an incredibly flexible topic. And that's what fascinates me about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the tourism end, you think about one, like tasting, right? So, you know, you have food and you have basically wine tasting, which delivers in the form of a liquid. Even with cannabis, you have all these different um, methods of ingestion that are unseen in, uh, in craft beer and wine. So people do compare it to wine. I think that's the easiest comparable uh like parallel in, in the economy, but it's also the most obvious. I think with cannabis tourism, we need to really think outside the box into everything from transdermal patches to, you know, I, I there's a product out now that I heard of called Canna Dip, where it's it's coconut fiber that's uh, soaked in, um, in, in the cannabis oil, essentially, and you pack it like a tobacco dip in your blower, but it's not bad for you. It's completely organic. It's a way of medicating. It's fascinating. Yeah, I've tried it before. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a dude. And so it tr- yeah. it's like dipping. I mean, it is right. dipping. And so for me, I felt like I was talking with a speech impediment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How were the effects though? Did it deliver quickly? Um, I mean, it's, it's low dosage. So it was, I, I didn't feel a lot from it, but okay. you know, I, in fact, I reviewed it on one of the earlier podcasts and it's right. something that's really good for somebody who's onboarding a brand newbie into cannabis. Right, right. Somebody who smokes daily, they would need something a little bit of a heavier hitter. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, the concept, there's so many things and there's so many delivery options. That's one of the things that I like about being a cannabis lifestyle guide is so I can sit right. down with someone and say, tell me what you're interested in trying. Tell me what you have no desire to touch. Right. What is your life like? Yep. Are, do you, what kind of lifestyle do you have? And I found out all this information, and then I can recommend products that seamlessly integrate into their lives. Right. It's like an onboarding. 
Yeah. Not like with anything. Like, right. And then from that point, <clears throat> they can experiment. Right. But, you know, instead you walk into this culture and it's just information overload. It's, and it's overwhelming. I, I, I see that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People start talking about fractional distillation and these things that us in the industry understand. But... The, the the wave that's coming in, what fascinates me is the baby boomer demographic, mostly because I think they have the most benefit from this with, with managing chronic pain and mm-hmm. improving quality of life. Well, and the, the science and the, the information coming in about reversing the effects of dementia and like, right, you know, right. the, like basically like getting all the cobwebs out of their brain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to try that? Right. Have you talked, have you met Dr. Hergenrather up mm-hmm. in Sebastopol? No. He's been doing, um, he's been tracking data on that for years, years and years. I want to say 15 years. Ooh, um, like microdosing to edibles to people with dementia and the, the results are amazing. Oh my God. I have to talk to him. Well, right. I'll get his information from you. Yeah. We also take into account that there's a patent on it as a neuroprotectant in 2003. Right, the federal government filed a patent on uh, cannabis as a neuroprotectant. Which, that's right. I think I learned that on your tour. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that says big things, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's promising. That means that I'm not so worried about the federal government filing that patent, but that's an indicator that we're at the tip of the spear with this cannabis medicine. You know, there's a reason it was part of the U.S. pharmacopoeia from 1850 to 1950. Yeah. It was literally written in our medical journal for the United States. There's a reason for that. And now they don't even teach it at medical school. I know, but isn't that interesting? Because when you go in and talk to your doctor, you, you, I, I just actually last week, I have a new doctor now and I went and met with him, had my initial thing. And I said, yeah, I'm like, I use cannabis. And he's like, he laid the landscape out and he was fully supportive. He said, it's not a bad option. Um, It's a great frontline kind of, kind of treatment. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see that. That's a step forward. You and know? may I, and you know, and tell me to shut up if it's asking too much information. Yeah. But so, do you do you use several methods of ingestion? Do you like? Do you smoke? And do you use edibles or sublinguals or? Um, yeah. Currently, I do. Um, I'm not doing tinctures much right now. I do mostly flour. Mm-hmm. And I guess I could be more direct with my question, but the reason I'm curious is yeah. that, you know, I know that the smoking has the the lowest bioavailability. And so within the, you know, the last several months, I've right. made it a habit of like in the morning, I do a CBD uh, sublingual spray and, right. you know, and I'm doing THCA and THC tablets right. because I'm thinking like, okay, I really do, you know, as a woman who who's like over 40 now, mm-hmm. you know, our endocannabinoid system starts breaking down. And so the cannabis is good to supplement it. So right. I've been thinking as I'm getting older, like, okay, I need to f- start utilizing cannabis in other methods with higher bioavailability. And so I just didn't know right. if your doctor maybe mentioned anything. No, about- no. And it was, he was very general about it too. It wasn't like an endorsement, but it mm-hmm. was a recognition that it's legal and that there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't discouraged at all. He yeah. said, so that was, uh, that was a step forward. I felt, but that's fantastic that you're doing that. I did that kind of sampling with flour. Uh um, And this was when I first was getting back in the industry. I really enjoyed mostly um, where 
where I had the most focus was actually on what I call kind of the caffeine scale. You know, you have, if you look at a, a box of tea or a box of coffee, you have um, the caffeine scale where it's high, medium, or low. Mm-hmm. So I have a THC scale in my head. Right. That basically it's, you know, 20%, 15 10 I find that for me, I like a one-to-one. And I think that's one of the most important messages to get out right now is that there's there's medicine out there that does not have a psychotropic effect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's completely... It, well, it's compl- it's medicinal with a psychotropic effect. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. If you don't want that response, you don't have to have that response. You can have the anti-inflammatory things going on. Um, you can have a full high CBD strain that is that that's people. That's how basic it is. When yeah. I did my tour research in in Washington and Colorado, it's cannabis one hundred and one. It is. It's what's what is the plant? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. What is cannabis? Let's talk about the history. Let's talk about what an indica is. Let's yeah. talk about what a sativa is. Let's talk about an equatorial strain. You know, it's uh, it's laying that foundation. And if you could even on our tours, you know, if you could just get that meat information to build that foundation of understanding of options at a very macro level, mm-hmm. while having an amazing fun day in a beautiful country, obviously, right? Right. That's a win. You know? Well, and and you're you're giving them enough information and not overwhelming them. So that's why you know I think my resource guide is is your an resource guide's amazing. It's an ama- it, it, it's amazing. It's a a good marriage to what you're doing because they can be more involved in the experience right. and know that they're going to be leaving with the information, so they can just really just like have right. fun in these like walking through a cannabis grow. It's, right. it's just a really beautiful, unique, magical thing that is, I think huh? people need to experience. Absolutely. And then meeting the grower that grows it yeah. and their relationship to their plants. I mean, I have never grown cannabis in my life. And, you know, but I recognize when people talk about it, how passionate they are about it. There's something about the frequency of that plant and its bond to the grower that I don't know what it is, yeah. but it's recognizable when you meet well, growers. Whenever I got to California, you know, you talked about trimigrants on yeah. your tour. And I guess technically I was a trimigrant when I got here. And so I helped with, uh, I, slept on someone's couch and right, helped right, with their right. grow and then, you know, got paid by the pound to trim. And it is, it's a, it's a sacred process and experience. And, right. and the whole time my thought is I love pot so much. Like I want, I want to take care of this pot the way I want to receive this pot. Right. And so whenever I would turn in my pounds, I, you know, I was not the fastest trimmer. Yeah. But they loved my, they were like, wow, this You're is meticulous. amazing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, because yeah, it's exactly the way you want to buy it at the store. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I'm thinking about trimming this year. I feel like this year is the last year um, of that culture. I think it's still going to kind of linger while, you know, regulation really comes in. But it's it's one of those sub-communities that's going to be a, a, a kind of a dying breed. Yeah. And it's yeah, fascinating. It'll be like, you know, the the cowboys in West Texas or, you know, right. this which of course my family still we still work cows and do all that stuff. So right. you know, people would pay good money to go see that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they should do it here too. I mean it's this is I, I really love what you're doing and I'm excited to see what you guys put together for twenty eighteen. Right. Um, so tell me from putting all of these tours together and these different concepts, like what's mm. one of your favorite stops or like one of the coolest things that you've learned? I mean, to be honest, like I, I feel like it's so 
fluid still. Like we have our kind of our our pillar stops that we stop at, but it's such a discovery, right? People are like, oh, it's like one. It's like what a lot of people, and it's a great question because I love it. They're like, well, what is cannabis tourism? What does that look like? And that's what gets me passionate about it because you're really getting to kind of invent a space mm-hmm. to a degree. And there's there's a handful. Don't get me wrong. I, there's tour companies going on in Colorado and Washington, but we are the first, or arguably the first. Um, in California. And, uh, well, and I want to say something too about this tour versus the ones in Colorado and Washington. Yep. Like the things that I've seen on those tours, it's very much like party bus style. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, you know, it's about right. getting high. Yep. It's about experiencing the city high as fuck. Right. And that <laughs> right. is exactly <laughs> opposite of what you're doing. Yeah, it kind of is. And I think they both have their place. Um, well, it depends on In a responsible age, way. Exactly. In a responsible way, they both have their place, right? It's like doing a pub crawl versus, you know, doing a, a by appointment wine tasting talking about. It's two very different customers and experiences. I just, I think for Emerald Country Tours, it's, you know, I was I was inspired by the heritage and the storytelling and all the amazing nuances and, and, and themes that surround not just cannabis, but something coming out of prohibition into regulation. It's a fascinating case study. Um, and that day in and day out is really fun to witness how all that goes down. Um, the, the lounge, totally. I mean, it was 26 people, you know, it was very, very mellow. It was, it was no education, really. It was Bob Marley playing and them asking you, like the introductory question was, when's the first time you got high? And we went around and said that. And that was, mm-hmm. it was a really fun, very wreck version. Yeah. Um, we want to have fun, but instead of leaning on like even alcohol, just getting dr- drunk or mm-hmm. getting really overly medicated, um, we like to make people feel kind of transported and empowered by walking away going, wow, I didn't, if they could take away three audio bites or three moments where they feel something magical happen on the tour, that's what we're shooting for. And for us, that's not through medicating, that's through information share, really compelling Mm -hmm. information share. And also the landscape. When you drive through Sonoma, especially when you hit that West County, even the vineyards, the corridor of the 101 is beautiful. But when you go to West County, there's a shift in energy and you get toward the ocean, you hit the redwood trees, the rivers, like you feel transported. Well, and you lose cell phone service. So you yep, really are. Totally. It's, it's just me and nature. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. And we have to, I mean, that's part of the, some of the tours. Some of our tours do, you lose cell reception. So we added that too. As I tell people, just let people know that we're going to be at a cell reception for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. And... If you can't handle that, like <laughs> right, don't come right. on this tour. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, I think unplugging should be part of the tour. Right. Don't we need more of that? Unplugging yeah. these days and connecting on the human mm-hmm. level. Right. Right. And I guess, you know, that would be one way of keeping people from taking pictures they're not supposed to take anyway. (laughs) Kill two birds, one stone. Everybody, phones go in the basket. Right. You'll get them back. And then, you know, and you'll get them back to like at a certain point where they could take pictures out in the field or whatever, but. Oh, you'll get pictures plenty of the day. Yeah. But I'll be honest, there's even some moments. I know, I notice that I get, as I get older, I pick and choose the moments I take pictures in more because it kind of breaks the vibe if you, if you do. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, well, the thing that I've, I just noticed that there's other people in my group taking pictures. And so I just enjoy the experience. And as we're leaving, I'm like, I need you to text me those pictures. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally. <laughs> group text. Everyone yeah. send me your shit from today. <laughs> because you, I, I like to be present and. Right. 
Where'd you get this box? Can I ask you? I love this. Um, that was the best birthday present I've ever received from someone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have no idea where it came from. So cool. Oh, it's a tin. It's, it's like a little metal. Tin, yeah. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's got something on the very bottom too. No. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, it was, you know, to date, still my favorite, my favorite gift. I see why. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever find one, I mean, it's a little girlier than... Yeah. Than, I'm just curious. It's like the whole idea is awesome. I, I wonder if there's four or five different ones or could be. But it, it did come from a little shop in San Francisco. Oh, nice. I'll try to hunt down, hunt down the, the place. Cool. And speaking of San Francisco, don't you guys yep. have some sort of a tie to a tour there? We do. Our friends are Green Guide Tours. Um, and they're a walking tour company, so they they've been they've been offering walking tours of cannabis going back well over a year. Um, and I actually went and did one before we ended up reaching out to them and partnering with them on what we did with them. So mm-hmm. they had like a cannabis one on one tour. Um, I think they're implementing a vape lounge crawl tour um, next year. The tour that we co- we curated with them and they operate day to day is called um, Compassion and Cannabis, the Pioneers of Pot. Okay. Yeah. And it really tells a story of Prop 215 and the activism and the history of San Francisco and cannabis. How long is the tour? Yeah, it's about two and a half hours. It talks about, it's it's a fascinating story and it's a total San Francisco story. Like that's the only place in the world something like that could happen. It was yeah. kind of the perfect storm and it's, it's interesting. It's got hippies, you know. It's got health epidemics. It's got radical lawyer Tony Sarah. It's got Dennis Perone, Brownie Mary, who are all Dr. Todd Micaria, who's considered the grandfather of cannabis. In the early 70s, he was right. He was putting out publications about cannabis as medicine, you know, while Dennis was just like a anti like counterculture pot dealer. Um, but then that all shifted in the 80s when cannabis was the only medicine that was working for HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. So he went from being a hippie gay pot dealer to all of a sudden having lines around the block with dudes that were sick yeah that they had nothing to take and cannabis was the only thing that worked to stimulate their appetite and that's what brownie mary did too right she She totally did edibles for all the aids patients she did she actually so she got busted three times in her life she got busted she she cooked pot brownies she was kind of with dennis she was an ihop waitress by night (laughs) totally yeah (laughs) Um, and she would, she would cook brownies, but she was like a little brownie chick and she would sell her brownies at Dennis's pot clubs and he, they were friends. And then she got busted and got put, um, in the early eighties and got mandatory 500 hours of community service. And they put her in ward, ward 86, I think it's called her ward five, which was the AIDS ward. Oh, wow. And when she went in there, it was like masks, don't touch them. It was like a health epidemic. No one knew what the hell it was. And all she saw was a bunch of kind of abandoned kids who came to the city because they were gay and their families didn't accept them. And they found a community here and they were each other's family, but they were just dying left and right. And there was no compassion. So she kind of adopted all these and she started bringing in brownies to the AIDS ward and they let her because it was the only thing that was working. So she'd be passing out brownies in the hospital. So yeah, Brownie Mary is probably, she, she's the mother of medical cannabis. Like her role is huge. Everyone I've met that knew her, like mm-hmm. talks about how amazing she was. Every single person loves her that I've met that knew her directly, everyone. And they might not even love each other that much, but Brownie yeah. Mary, they all loved her. Oh, I love it. That gives me chills. Yeah. And she cussed like a sailor, I heard. <laughs> oh. Like she had this gritty side. She's a woman after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that is okay. So there are tour options in San Francisco. Yes. People are going to be able to tour the Emerald Triangle with right. with you guys and right. I'm going to be doing things where we can customize experiences so there's no reason for people to not visit. But yes. the one thing that they're still apprehensive about What's that? People traveling from other states to California. Right. Like what are the big things that you think they need to know to give them peace of mind to come out here and enjoy the experience and make sure they're doing everything legally. Totally. Well, there's tours that you can do without medicating. Like, and and honestly, as long as you're always within state law and local law, it's a it's a fluid space, no doubt. It's changing daily. All the different, you know, I got to realize there's cities, counties. There's all different. It, they're all on their own pace right now with legal with the regulation of it all. So you have to stay up to date on what's going on there as well as at the state level. But you are safe to come and experience our cannabis culture. That's not limited to being regulated. We have an immense culture that is bohemian that is amazing up in Sonoma and Mendocino County and the North Bay in general. Um, and that's not contingent upon being able to walk into a dispensary or being able to visit a cultivation site. You know, we have so much information we deliver on the tour. Um, a dispensary 101 visit, you know, you need your medical card right now. Um, but as this opens up, you'll be able to, to attend those tours as it goes into adult use. So in 2018, you right. know, adult use will be legal, but that doesn't mean that people in January can come visit and go into a dispensary yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's, it's, it depends. Again, it depends on where you're going. So I guess my question then is on a tour. Yes. Um, they Will they be able to have access without their medical recommendation starting in January? Yes. Uh, to, well, to a formal dispensary, it's it would be we would do something in a different format. So instead of actually touring through a dispensary, we would likely do we, you would have the experience, get all the information, but you wouldn't be entering the dispensary premises. But as far as having you know, kind of an informational event where we can sit down and deliver education at maybe a private center, we have a few other partners where we can pivot. You know, I've had people call me from other states where it's not medically legal, just wanting to fly out here because their spouse is about to die from cancer and they just want to know what the options are because they've tried everything else and they're at their breaking point. Mm -hmm. And I have doctors and herbalists that have been working with cannabis for decades um, that I could schedule appointments with to be able to ask questions. So I, the main, I guess the, the, the kind of message behind all this is we craft private tours. Mm -hmm. We definitely have a few tracks that are that are already set where we kind of have a plan. But if you called me with a specific request of what you'd like to do or find out, or, Hey, I don't have my medical card, but I'd like to learn about cannabis. Mm -hmm. What would, the, can I, can you run me, walk me through what exactly that would look like? And then I would get a little more granular into what is your goal? Is it more enjoying the, do you want to be more vacation adventure style? Or are you looking for, you know, health and wellness information or a hybrid of both? When I, so I was up in Washington recently and I was just doing some research while I was up there and on their state they have like a state education pamphlet mm -hmm. that's out. That's what is adult use. It's great. It's educating people. Uh -huh. But their suggested starting dose was 10 milligrams, which I thought was high. That is high. Right. I would say two and a half, two or, and a half. or one. I mean, the more you microdose, the better, in my opinion, when you're starting out. Yeah. I, t you know, I tell people two and a half because I want them to feel something. Yes. Because I need them to make that distinction between 
this is how I normally feel. And, oh, okay, this is what high feels like. Right. This is what, like, a moderate high feels like. Right. That way they then know if they take two and a half more in 30 minutes, they may be like, oh, oh, I'm I'm higher now. Like, so that they can actually right. feel those increments. It's interesting that you chose two and a half. Um, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that whole, everything you just said makes a lot of sense. You want them to f- make sure they feel that it's working. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also just helping people learn to be mindful of the experience. Like, how do I feel right now? I just took it 30 minutes later. How do I feel right now? You know, checking right. back in with your body and allowing yourself to then shift and say, oh, I think I need a little bit more next time, or maybe I need a little less, or, you know, this actually isn't working for me. This made me sleepy. And I, you know, that's why I, in my kit, I also include a dosage tracker. Right. And somebody who's experienced like you and I, I use it for strains so I can, because I will go into a dispensary and get a gram of three or four different things because I enjoy trying all the new things. Yeah, totally. I'm with you, but I'm, I'm as nerdy about the cannabinoid ratio. Like that's, uh, that's, that, that scale fascinates me. When you said that earlier, I do the same thing, but during the day I purchase flour that's 10 to 15% THC. Right, right. And then I have, and then I purchase something that's like, you know, 25 to 26% THC. Right, right. So that that's like my last bowl of the evening. Like after I've had like a really big day and I'm like, now I just kind of want to blast it out. Right. Totally. (laughs) I totally get it. When you're home for the night and you're unwinding. Yeah. For me, it's, um, that's one way that's, that's a way that I use it. Definitely medically. I mean, I feel the word medically is interesting. I've the, the, the way in which I define it keeps evolving, but I have trouble unplugging because I love working on Mm -hmm. certain things. And sometimes that's the solution is to, is to smoke a high THC strain at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm not getting a lot done right now. And I'll close my computer and put it to the side of me. It'll be 10 o'clock but at least it will allow me an hour to just kind of be present and not be on technology, I guess. Well, and, you know, when you're really into your work and you finally do that at the end of the day, it also is a nice little, or at least in my mind, it's like a reflection of the day. and like, okay, like, mm-hmm. what did I get accomplished? Where am I on things? Like, how am I feeling? Right. You know, and just... I call right. it a reefer recap and, you know, just yeah. really like dial in like, okay. And, right. and I always feel better after it, you know, I right. might be super frustrated, but then when I'm done, I'm like, oh yeah, it was a good day. Right. I do think that's something really special that cannabis does is it brings people to the present. You know, if you're, you know, what's that quote that like, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're having anxiety, you're living in the future. And so it like, it helps with both of those and it will kind of yeah. bring you back to center. Yeah. Kumbaya on cannabis. I know, right? <laughs> I'm turning into a hippie. <laughs> I know. You know, there's a little bit of hippie trapped in, in anybody who smokes pot. So right. you could be a Wall Street yeah, banker yeah. and then you discover pot and just a little portion of you turns into a hippie. <laughs> 
<laughs> just comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. cool. Okay, so one of those super fun, exciting things that I almost forgot. I love <laughs> how they're creating appellations for these different cannabis regions like they right. have for the wine industry. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you what I know. There's a, there's a whole rabbit hole week that goes down and I can't even, I don't know what the bottom looks like <laughs> at all. Um, but there's a large conversation happening with terroir and Appalachians and looking to the wine industry. So there's like the old vines and there's genetic um, IP protection, that kind of thing. So it's a fascinating conversation because the Emerald Triangle is basically the cultivation epicenter for breeding and genetics and seeds and things like that. In all of the United States, in all of the world. Arguably all the world, right? So there were seed hunters. You had these hippies that, you know, after the 60s and 70s, actually after the 60s, going into the 70s, a lot of the hippies moved up to the North Bay and they, they started communes and communities up there that were really focused around nature and intentional thought and kind of going back to the land. They're called back to the landers. Um, and part of that whole movement, there was a hippie trail that started, which went abroad to Afghanistan and Kabul and other places. And essentially they were street, they were the original seed hunters. Like they were bringing back seeds illegally to the Emerald Triangle, but all these genetics ended up landing in Northern California. And um, that's why the, the, the breeding and genetics of our region is significant. And that all ties back into the Appalachian as well. So as we started kind of perfecting the craft of cannabis and, um, or I mean, perfect's a strong word. As we started playing with the cannabis and, and the breeding behind it, we, I think at one point, I think the last article I read put Northern California at providing, what was it, like 70% of the cannabis in the United States or something? I it's, believe that. It's a high it's it's a high volume. Even um, if you made that shit up, I believe it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah, so now we're looking at this industry where you're watching um you're watching a commodity, and it's not a commodity. Oh, that's that's one of the biggest problems. There's a lot of people that grew that have been cultivating for a long time. They're, they don't want cannabis to be kind of like an industrialized commodity where you have the Walmart of weed. So what, what's emerging up north is the craft, and that ties into the Appalachians and the terroir. And it's 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 discovering this culture, this craft. If you want to learn more, go to the Mendocino Appalachians Project map. You can Google that. You'll find it. I sit on the Appalachian Committee for Sonoma County, which is not functioning very regularly right now. Mendocino is really leading the way in this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, you know, Appalachians. There's a statewide Appalachian map that's floating around. It's an extremely long process. I found out. I've heard it's like 20 to 30. Like it takes a long time. You have to document. So that is all happening. And they're they're basically creating the narrative and establishing formally Appalachians to protect all the research and things that have been going on for generations up in the Emerald Triangle. Well, and I love in my head as you're talking, I'm just like visualizing a dinner party where you go to someone's house and they pour a glass of wine and they're like, oh, I was in Napa. Right. June, you know, and they like right. tell you the story. We met the wine owner. Yes. There were baby goats on the property. <laughs> yes. Right. So now we're going to be able to do the same thing with our weed. Right, right. As it comes on and people get more accepting, which that's the whole point. That's going to happen with information share. It's that simple. We, we, You and I know how amazing cannabis is. Yeah. So it's just getting other people to understand that they can interact with it in their own way. And then you're going to have the craft region. I mean, me personally, I feel like that's that's why I love the tourism thing. I think that's where it's headed anyway. Sonoma and Mendocino, you don't get much more beautiful places in the world. Well, and 
you know, people are starting to recognize that stuff is not as cool as experiences. Totally. That is a thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, we were talking before this started about yeah. how we love living in small spaces. Yep. You know, I live in 300 square feet and you live right. in... It's like but, 750, yeah. And that's something that is a huge disconnect from the way I grew up. Me too. And, you know, the way my family lives now. So I think the experience market is on the rise. And I think it's important and exciting and fun. And thank you again for... Hanging out with me. Anytime. It's great. I love love. Yes, it. we we will rabbit hole on another topic <laughs> yeah. another time. We'll just Perfect. think about what you want to talk about because we really can't gab all day. Yeah. Yeah. And we will have you on another episode of the podcast. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, produced, edited by the team of Just Joe. Our theme music is by my handsome and fabulous friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with his music, check out his latest album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you are buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Well, what do you think? Are you ready to make a trip to Northern California? Check it out, the wine and weed country and experience a casually baked way of life? I know you are. All right, get on over to the show notes for this podcast at casuallybaked.com backslash blog. And as always, if you like what you heard, puff, puff, pass it on. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you're in big trouble. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.